The content of this podcast is provided as general informational purposes only. It is not intended for, nor should it be used to replace professional behavior intervention and advice. This is Sissy. And this is Susan. And we are Function Junction. Behavior matters. It matters. And Sissy, so does technology, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, we learned it again. We've been promising this sweet principle to be on an episode for the last two weeks. And I went to listen to the recording and it wasn't there. And so I sent it to our editor, Troy, the amazing Troy Payne, and he couldn't retrieve it either. So Poor Stephanie Cox is going to be kind enough to reschedule an interview with her because I really want her to share the things that she's doing on her campus. So yet again, (laughs) it's Sissy and I telling a story, not quite how we planned it, but technology matters sometimes as much as important as behavior does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I do want to get with Stephanie again, because what she had to share was just so wonderful. It's so good for kids and for teachers. Yeah. So today, we're going to talk about a student, and I'm going to call her Lucy. Okay. And uh, we talk all the time about the function, get to the function, what's the function of the behavior. And you could say, when it comes to behavior, we're either trying to get to something or trying to get away from something. Um, Negative reinforcement. Well, yeah. We say gain or escape, usually, when we think about that from an ABA standpoint. And we also will get more specific about, is this an automatic reinforcement. So we think about trying to get to something, trying to get away from something. Then within those, it might be that you're trying to get to a self-stimulatory behavior or automatic reinforcer kind of thing that doesn't have to be learned. They love it uh, because they love it or they hate it because they hate it. I had students who the buzzing of the fluorescent lights was something they had to get away from. Sure, Um, sure. And then we also think to get to a tangible or even potentially get away from a tangible. Yep. You know, uh, there's a student somewhere far away, probably, who is scared of bees. And to prevent her from running out of the classroom, they have a bee at the door. Not a live bee, a little bee in a box (laughs) that makes her not want to go to the door. (laughs) <laughs> she wants to escape. The I have been to this land far away. <laughs> yes. So we said automatic, tangible. Um, it could be attention. We frequently talk about kids who engage in behaviors to get attention or to get away from attention. Anyway, my student was definitely driven by attention. And I'm going to back up just a second and say some people say that we should say Instead of attention-driven, talk about connection-seeking instead of, or attention-seeking, connection-seeking. And that. I like that, that society-wise, we talk about attention like it's a negative thing, like a sure. child who wants attention is a negative thing. But in ABA, it's just a thing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's just exactly. With, I love the connection because who doesn't want a connection, you know? Yes. And sometimes yes. kids engage in appropriate behaviors to get a connection or attention. And sometimes they engage 
like the student that I saw today who was running um, from the classroom and out of the school because he liked to be chased, right? Yes, yes. So, you know, in ADA, we don't assign any good or badness to attention or tangibles or any of those things that children might engage in to get. But I do like the idea of thinking of it in terms of or talking about it in terms of connection seeking, because it makes you think differently about how you're going to engage with that student. Anyway, this little gal, Lucy, was highly, highly, highly distractible as well. So we had her in a study carol with a bookcase on either side so that when she sat down to do her work, the world disappeared and she was able to focus on her work and do her work independently. That was for independent work. You know, if she's working with a teacher or with a group, she'd be sitting in different places. But anyway, if she was in her study carol doing her work and she heard the door open, <laughs> you'd see her little head come up over the top of the study carol and, and she'd greet the person. Hi, who are you? You know, and greet the people as they came in because she wanted that attention or that connection with those people coming in the room. Sorry, let me ask you a question about Lucy. Was she a student on the spectrum? Oh, yes. Most <laughs> so, Sissy, you know, we talk a lot about, and this is not scientifically proven by any means, and it's not anywhere that I know in the research, but, you know, in the U.S., we're looking at numbers of about one in 45. And since it's four and a half times more common in boys than it is girls, we're looking at about one in, I don't know, 40 something or 37 boys compared to one in 151 girls. And I joke a lot, like, and I don't care if the girl is in gen ed and leads less academic support and more social support or in special ed and self-contained program. It's way, I swear, it's like they got a double dose, you know, girls can be so complicated on the spectrum. And I'm sure it has something to do with genetics, but I have not met a girl with autism who is easy to figure out. And you and I know a lot of the same kids like the one with the B. And um, yeah, they can just be really, really tough. Yeah. You know, I, I think about that because I, in, in special education, boys outnumber girls a lot. Sure. And I think that we know more about how to intervene with boys. And because girls are fewer, we don't know as much. It presents itself differently. So our interventions are different. Anyway, I don't know. But anyway, she, she would also put markers in her mouth so that people would say, we don't eat the markers or take the markers out of your mouth or, or one of those kinds of things. And so as a group, you know, the staff in the classroom and anybody who was coming into the room, we had agreed we're not going to comment if she puts the markers in the mouth. Right. We're just going to reach up and redirect her hand to draw, no eye contact, calm redirection. Right. And so, you know, you're moving and shaking and you're getting a whole lot less of the markers in the mouth, you know, a whole lot less of that attention seeking behavior, which is not good for her, you know, putting markers sure. in her mouth. So, uh, and then, of course, there would be a day that there would be a substitute in the room that I had forgotten to have a talk with. Yes. And she'd be sitting at the table and she'd put the marker in her mouth and the person would say something like, we don't eat the markers. No, 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 don't do that. Don't eat the marker. Don't eat the marker. No, no, that's not good for you. That's what's bad. No, no. Yeah, so there we have variable reinforcement (laughs) of behavior. And what do we know about variable reinforcement, Susan? It's like a slot machine. It keeps coming, but you keep coming back. Yep. 
she's going to come back for some more of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she would also compliment you on things. Aww. She would say, um, I like your bracelet. Where'd you get that bracelet? And before you could answer, she would say Walmart. <laughs> and that, that was the absolute constant reminder. Or she would also do things, I think, to get a reaction a bit. Let's say her dad's name or stepdad's name was Bill. Mm-hmm. And she would say, Bill's picking me up today. Bill's picking me up. Oh, yeah, Bill's picking me up. That's great. Bill's picking me up. I hate Bill. <laughs> <laughs> She did not hate Bill. (laughs) She did not hate Bill. But that's what she would say every day. And, you know, because then, again, you would engage in some conversation with her about Bill as a nice guy. He loves you and all of that. So lots of attention to that. It reminds me, you know, and sometimes when we talk about kids living in Texas, we tend to give them accents, you know, like um, the young man who loved Blake Shelton. We have to talk about him at some point because that's a great story. But I had a little girl in southeast Texas, kind of the Beaumont area, and her dad was, you know, was, he was good, nice guy, but he tended to cuss quite a bit. <laughs> and so she would come to school and say the F word and GD and all kinds of things. And we're like, dad, dad, could you please (laughs) just try (laughs) to replace your behavior with something else? And he goes, I know, I know, I know I've got to do it. I know. All right. I'm just going to say church house when I'm mad, instead of saying (laughs) F word, I'm going to say church house. And so we're like, okay, that's good. That's good. So the little girl comes to school and she gets mad at something. She goes, I'm not going to say the word, but she goes, GD church house. (laughs) (laughs) No. Oh my gosh. We just funniest precious most precious little girl but oh she had a mouth on her anyway sorry go back to Lucy yeah so it was pretty tiring (laughs) you know seven seven and a half eight hours a day to be talking about your bracelet or your shoes or greeting the people coming in the door but but we still said okay so we definitely believe that the function of this behavior is attention let's give her attention you know and we say all the time Give kids attention for the things you like, right? And minimize the attention for the things that you don't like. But we needed more than that with yes, Lucy. Yes, yes, yes. Because Lucy not needed just catching her being good is not is not enough. Yeah, not enough. She sought connection a lot. <laughs> so, um, so we agreed that you know I think I had two paraprofessionals at the time, and we each agreed we were going to make sure every morning and every afternoon we spent some time with Lucy, not about work or anything else, just a few minutes with Lucy. And then I stood up at a staff meeting with, you know, all the other teachers, gen ed and special ed teachers on campus and said, guys, I have a student and we have decided that the function of her behavior is attention. And I would really like it, not asking you to do it every day, but if you have five minutes on your conference time or five minutes during your lunch or something like that, if you just come down and, and hang out with Lucy, don't have to do work with her, just draw or whatever you want yeah. to do with her. Give her a connection. Yes. So um, there were a few teachers that did that. And there's one, and I don't know if she listens to the uh, podcast, but she absolutely knows that she would be one that I would, would name if I was not trying to kind of protect people's privacy. She was consistent. She would come and hang out with Lucy Aww. and talk about bracelets, Walmart and Bill and anything <laughs> else that Lucy wanted to talk about. I love it. 
And, you know, she would say, she's so much fun. I enjoy so much. And I was like, yes, for five minutes. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. It reminds me, I had a little guy in gen ed classroom. His name was Brayden. And he was the kid who would be like, "Um, boys and girls, we have a visitor. Could you all say hello to Miss Susan? You know, or he'd say to the teacher, like, say her name was Sissy. He'd go, "Um, Sissy, can I get your phone number in case I need to call you over the weekend? Like, he really thought he was an adult. And and I I did the same thing. I'm like, oh, my God, he's so cute. He's so cute. And the teacher's like, for five minutes. And then it gets real old. So I'll have to tell that story another time, what we did with him with regard to vacuum cleaners. But anyway. Yeah. So... You know, with Lucy, it certainly helped quite a bit. She definitely stopped putting markers in her mouth and really stopped engaging in attention seeking that would be considered negative. I mean, there's nothing wrong with greeting people who come in the room or talking to people about their new shoes or new glasses or new whatever that they had. So it was a really, really useful thing to do. And so I would say, and I've done it many times, and I know you have too, have a student who is so obsessed with something that you give them more of it, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. to kind of help them out there, which comes into play with the question for today. Yeah. Okay, good. In today's story, I, I talked about how Lucy had several behaviors for which the function was attention. We increased the attention that Lucy got in the classroom from all the staff members in the classroom and then even other staff members in the rest of the campus to come and give attention to Lucy. This can best be described as A, punishment, B, reinforcement, C, an abolishing operation, or D, an establishing operation. Okay. Well, it's not punishment because, you know, the goal isn't to decrease a, a problem behavior. And it could be reinforcement. I mean, I think that some people would say attention was a reinforcer. So it was, but there's no contingency for the reinforcement, right? So it's kind of like the young man that I saw today, I said, you know, why don't you try non-contingent reinforcement in the form of attention so that he gets attention for anything except running, right? So it's not just, you know, doing good work. It's like, I love the way you're sitting. I love the way you're walking. I love that. Because the idea would be to kind of satiate him with so much attention that he doesn't need to run to get it. And I feel like it, it is reinforcement, but I feel like a better answer would be an abolishing operation, Right, because you take away the value of the problem. Yeah, you still want attention to be a reinforcer. You just don't want it to be so valuable that nothing else matters. Right, you're lessening the value. That's what an abolishing operation would do. So we didn't say an establishing operation, but an establishing operation creates more value to the reinforcer. Yeah, they give you salty chips at the restaurant so that you'll order a margarita so you'll drink more yeah exactly exactly that was a really good question um and a great story I love talking about kids that we have worked with in the past and things that were successful with them Um, and just how fun you know just how fun the people that we get to work with are we are so lucky that our life work is people on spectrum because they are wonderful (laughs) and fascinating and 
you know, always learning. I'm always learning every day. I go into classrooms and I learn from these kids. And yeah, I mean, we are, I feel really blessed to be able to do what we do for a living and love it and continue to learn every day, you know, but that was a really good story. I love Lucy and I love the question. So Thanks, you guys. And we are really hoping for Stephanie to be with us next week. As always, please like, subscribe, share, or comment on social media and or rate and review us on the podcast app that you're using. We hope you have a great weekend. We'll be back next week. See you soon. Bye.